Hello. Now, I do hope that you're finding our Rebuild and Build Better season helpful. We've got loads more episodes coming your way. So be sure that you head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash rebuild and you'll see there the hub of helpful information that we're building. This is really aimed at helping anyone who's rebuilding after bushfire, who is building or renovating in a bushfire prone area, or who's just generally wanting to build or renovate a more resilient home. Now, in this episode, we're going to be meeting Jeff Dow, who is a bushfire consultant. If you've found that you have a bushfire overlay or you discover any type of bushfire requirements on the zoning of your property, then a bushfire consultant will be an essential team member to help shape your design and your approach to building uh, really well on your property. This is part one of my conversation with Jeff Dow, and it's packed full of helpful know-how and insights. So let's dive in now. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Welcome to season 12 of the Get It Right podcast called Rebuild and Build Better. This season includes a range of conversations with some fantastic experts and professionals, and we're diving into a range of topics related to rebuilding after bushfires, building or renovating in bushfire-prone areas, and more generally, designing and building more resilient homes. This season of the podcast has been inspired by one of our Undercover Architect course members who has over 20 years experience in disaster recovery and saw the need, given our recent summer bushfires in Australia, for a resource to help people rebuilding their homes after bushfire. He's been a great help to me in connecting me with information and people I can now share with you. You can see video versions of all of our interviews, as well as get a copy of the full transcripts, plus loads more helpful resources for your journey on the Undercover Architect website. Head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash rebuild for all the info you need to rebuild and build better. Now let's get on with the episode. Okay, so let me introduce you to Jeff Dow, who, as I said earlier, is a bushfire consultant and he's with Ember Bushfire Consulting. Now, Ember Bushfire Consulting are a team of qualified, accredited and experienced fire industry professionals. They take great pride in delivering professional consulting services in a personalised, cost-effective and service-oriented manner. Their work is provided at the highest industry standard and they are all accredited bushfire consultants under the Fire Protection Association of Australia Accreditation Scheme. Now, co-founder Jeff Dow has actually had over 23 years of experience as a professional in the fire services industry. And over recent years, this has been in a range of fire safety fields, including fire safety engineering, bushfire protection, building certification, regulation and urban planning. Ember takes a whole of life approach, offering consulting services for all stages of development. This includes doing bushfire assessments, as well as pre-purchase advice and larger scale advice for developments and subdivisions. Ember services local government areas across the central tablelands, southern tablelands, snowy mountains, southwest slopes and south coast in New South Wales. Now many of these areas have been heavily impacted by the black summer fires in Australia and so I'm really looking forward to talking with Jeff about how homeowners in bushfire prone areas can build homes that are more resistant and resilient to bushfire events and what we've seen in these bushfires that can help us build better 
in the future. In this episode, Jeff's going to be sharing some really helpful insights, including understanding more about the bushfire attack level or BAL ratings, what to know about asset protection zones or APZs, and more details about AS3959, which is the Australian Standards for Construction in Bushfire Prone Areas, plus loads more. So let's hear from Jeff now. Well, Jeff, it's fantastic to have you here. I'm really looking forward to being able to talk with you about this, your area of expertise, because it is something that can be quite bamboozling to homeowners who find out that they've got uh, bushfire zoning or some type of, uh, I suppose, overlay on their property that they have to then create a building solution for. Uh, And so I think you're going to be able to provide a huge amount of of knowledge and information uh, for people to kind of clarify that process for them a lot more effectively. Can you first tell us how you actually got into this line of work in terms of your bushfire assessments and your bushfire consultancy? Yeah, so I mean, it's um, it's it's been the combination of a lot of things. Uh, my my grounding is uh, as a professional uh, firefighter. That's that's the the basis. Um, uh, and I started that when I was twenty. Um, I, I got interested. I I, I love the bush. Um, studied environmental science. Uh, and that led me to to um, bushfire, and it, it's allowed me to bring um, two things together, which I've, I've I've loved. I think probably the third thing that occurred was uh, in 2003. We had the bushfires obviously hit here in Canberra, uh, and really wanted to do something um, different in terms of the way that we could really um, address the issue. And and clearly, fire suppression, um, you know, fire trucks is is only part of the answer, but to, to design and to build and to truly understand our environment um, is, is kind of what led me to this point uh, where, I, again, I could bring this experience uh, and, and the knowledge together to, to help out um, to homeowners and uh, architects uh, design and, and build for, for bushfire. Yeah, what I love is that you've got this beautiful diversity of experience and knowledge that just comes in from so many different dimensions to actually give such a comprehensive understanding to what you're dealing with in terms of the advice that you're giving around bushfire and building better for resilience around bushfires and performance uh, in those kind of environments. So I'm just so excited to be sharing you with the UA community because I know that your knowledge is going to be incredibly helpful to them. Can you perhaps uh, just go through some basics for us first in terms of just expl- – I know a lot of people when they find out they've got that bushfire overlay or their bushfire zoning on their property with their early inquiries and they don't even know what a bushfire consultant is or why they might need one, can you just tell us when and why a bushfire consultant comes into play in a renovation or building project? Uh, I guess uh, I'll step back just uh, quickly. My my area of practice is New South Wales, so I'll speak to the to the New South Wales system. There are um, similar systems in Victoria and uh, perhaps where your your other listeners are. Um, but certainly, the the very first trigger um, is is this overlay that you speak of in New South Wales. It's the bushfire prone uh, land that that has been declared by the the local uh, council. And that's just that's a, a trigger. It's a it's a red flag, um, and it'll be different from council to council. So the, the local uh, one of the local councils here, uh, Queanbeyan and Palarang Regional Council, uh, largely about ninety percent of it um, is bushfire prone. So when when someone's looking to develop there, whether it's additions or alterations, um, or it's a new dwelling uh, or it's a greenfield site. Um, the very first question is, is it bushfire prone? A- amongst other things, but bushfire prone then triggers that need to do an assessment. So that's that's the first point. It's just a, a simple yes or no. 
And um, if you're fortunate enough or, uh, um, to not be in a bushfire prone, then there's no further consideration at all. But it, it's, it's worthwhile keeping in mind that the, the mapping, mapping changes. I know that uh, local uh, Goulburn Mulwari recently updated their bushfire prone map. So while you are not in a bushfire prone area at the moment, that could well change. And I'm, I'm sure post this season that we, that we might see that in some councils. Yeah, definitely. I think there's going to be a quite an overhaul of all of that process because it was such a surprise, some of the areas that were threatened by bushfires this time around. So now if you've got this bushfire overlay on your property, so you need to then obviously involve a bushfire consultant, what does that look like? I've had, I've had homeowners who have had different experiences based on where they're located. Sometimes they can get some information from council about what that might mean in terms of uh, the bushfire attack level rating that we can talk, that they can, that they have to build to. Sometimes they're in the dark about that and they've got to hire the bushfire consultant and they get frustrated that they're having to outlay um, fees for kind of what feels like they're batting at shadows. How, how do you kind of advise clients uh, and potential clients through that process and understanding what a bowel rating is and what a bowel rating might mean for their property? Yeah, um, certainly. Um, so I guess that's, that's one part and what, that's what I would hope a, a good uh, bushfire planning practitioner would brings to it. It was to help also guide you through. So it's not just to provide the, the bowel certificate, it's also to guide you through this process because it, it very much is a holistic process. It's the construction element's just one part of it, but to, to guide you and, and also to you know, provide some sort of background as to why this is happening and what the intent is. So... The way that the the New South Wales system is set up is that you you could you could do that yourself, um, and I still I think that's still in play. Uh, in play is that you can still do your your self assessments. Council can obviously help that, um, but because there are technicalities, are uh, because there are uh, interpretations, um, that I guess is the role of the bushfire uh, planning practitioner, is to, uh, to to one do the the assessment the way that it was meant to do. And also advise you. So it's it's all about location in terms of, and we, we could be down to metres here, um, to where you are on your lot uh, and the most ideal um, spot. So that's that's the role. So the um, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm moving around a bit, but the 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 idea is is that um, you get to the, the bushfire practitioner early in the piece uh, at, at, from the outset. Unfortunately, all too often it's towards the end when everything's locked down, and then it does become very problematic. So all we're doing is, is um, we're doing an initial assessment to, to find out what the, you know, the, the threat level is to the, to the dwelling. And then we can guide you through there, maybe recommend a slightly different location, or if it's very much fixed, then, then guide you through those next processes and, and then talk about design, materials, etc. Yeah, that's the thing that I see too, Jeff, is that uh, problem of people... Um, particularly in some of those more regional or rural areas, they might find, you know, they might see this overlay on their property and not worry about it too much, or they might even not know that it's there. They then go through figuring out their design. They get to the point of kind of hiring a builder, and the builder then does some due diligence and finds out that there's this bushfire overlay. At but the design's already done and drawn and engineering's all done and then there's this kind of whole process of, oh, hang on, no, we've got to actually make this compliant with a bowel rating and with the National Construction Code and, and it's it's a 
a very challenging thing to find out at that point because there are cost impacts and there's legislative impacts, of course, around that rating, isn't there? So I think that, you know, I'm always encouraging homeowners to find out their council information very early in their project before they sort of even start thinking about how they might be renovating or extending or where they might be building because it can it can be one of these things that if you do build in a different location on your site, if you've got that opportunity to do that, you can actually have some scope then to have a bit of flexibility around that. Can you talk through perhaps so that people can understand a bit more about how the bowel rating works? What kinds of things are you actually assessing when you come to look at a property and determine what the bowel rating might be and how that might change across if it's a larger property, how that might be impacted by the various components that you're looking at that contribute to that assessment? Sure, sure. Um, so it's uh, largely an interpretation of the, the landscape. Um, that's I think that's the first thing that we, we have a look at. We're looking at um, the available setbacks that we can get. So it's the distance from this area that we're going to call the unmanaged vegetation. Uh, and in between the, the structure and the unmanaged vegetation is the asset protection zone, which we'll, we'll probably get onto a little bit later on. But it's an interpretation of, of the, the landscape in terms of the veg, uh, vegetation classification, the slopes that are affecting it, and that can be complex too because it's not just dropping away at a nice steady state. It might drop away. It might come back up again. That's over a set distance. Um, and, again, I think that's that's what the, the value of a, a bushfire practitioner is, is that they'll they have that interpretation uh, and also the experiences of how that, that works. So slope, um, vegetation, and available setbacks. Uh, and now we have things like the, the biodiversity offsets um, where we really do have to work very carefully in getting this asset protection zone, the APZ, correct. Um, it's not too big. Um, it's not too small because if it's too small, then the, obviously the bowel rating goes up. Um, and then, as I, I mentioned earlier, it's, a, it's also say, hey, look, this is probably going to be a bit tricky here. Uh, maybe there's a suggestion or that we can go to a different site. So they're, they're the, the, the elements. We also obviously have the underlying uh, fire danger index, which is a measure of the, the, the intensity of fire, or if I can use the word, the design fire that we're dealing with. And that's really important to understand as well. We're not talking about it's a you know, nice 22-degree day here in, in Canberra. We're not talking about a fire on today. We're talking at the, the really upper reaches of it. And uh, the common analogy is that is like a, a flood zone. If you it's a one in a hundred year flood, well, this is you know in in most parts is about a one in fifty year fire, and that's what you're designing to. That's the measure. That's the bowel rating. Gotcha. So there's that fire danger index that the vegetation, the slope. How does the slope impact the the property's I suppose how prone it is to bushfire traveling towards it. I, you know, for for the uninitiated, what can slope and topography do in terms of the performance of a fire around a property? So where the slope will will drop away. So we have uh, a downslope away from from the asset from the the, the residence. Um, then we have um, an increased uh, level of travel. So with every degree, we get uh, increased um, rate of spread and we get uh, an increase in intensity. So where, for example, um, and these are just rough numbers, where you might be able to cope with a 15-metre sort of setback on flat ground, as soon as we, we take that to, you know, 10 degrees or 15 degrees or beyond, then we're going to need a 40 or 50-metre setback. So the slope actually is a, is a really, um, really big driver uh, in terms of fire intensity. 
Uh, where it goes up slope, then for, for all intents and purposes, that's still measured as, um, as, as flat. So slope is big, and that's what, um, you know, the, 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 the planning, the outcome here is that um, RFS, and RFS will obviously come up with uh, the main document here that we're referring to, planning for bushfire protection and 3959, construction of, of, um, of uh, buildings and bushfire prone areas. We're trying to get you away from these um, these spots that would you know maybe might be on the ridge on ridge tops or, or high views because you're going to have these steep slopes. They unfortunately also are the most beautiful spots as well. So here we are back into into balance, you know. But if you select these spots that are um, steep, um, they're on top of hills and you're surrounded by forest, then the bow rating is going to be quite high, you know. Or there's going to have to be a large quantity of vegetation that's going to have to be managed or removed. Gotcha. Yeah, like we're on the top of a hill, so <laughs> I know that and the view is great. But, yeah, I, I'm very conscious of the fact that fire can travel very quickly up hills. So, and when you're on top of a hill, there's usually only a couple of ways out as well. So Exactly. It's, it's a uh, number of complicating yeah. factors. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, um, you mentioned the RFS, so that's the Rural Fire Service. They're the ones that have actually... Um, you know, these bowel ratings uh, were something that were coming into play, from what I understand, were coming into play uh, in the mid to sort of late 2000s. And then the Victorian fires actually accelerated their, um, I suppose, their introduction into full legislation. So it, uh, a lot of people um, may see them as a reaction to the 2009 fires. For, from what I understand, they were already in train um, at that time and it just accelerated their introduction. Is that the case? Yeah, um, look very much, and and every uh, my my word to my clients is that every time that we have these significant events, they they do learn from these, and then they feed into to, to planning and to regulations and standards. What works, what doesn't work. Um, uh, certainly, the the previous standard, so there was the two thousand and nine standard, uh, which has only just now been updated to the two thousand and eighteen. It's been around for at least twenty, possibly thirty years. And we've known for quite some time what you can do to a, to a residence, to a structure, to make it more resilient. Um, and they're slowly getting um, better and better. And I, again, no doubt from the, the, fire, the, the fire season that we've just had, we'll see further improvements. Although it is, it is, it's pretty solid now. It's, 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 it's quite good. Um, so that's the, the national standard um, that would apply uh, in all jurisdictions. Um, and then within the jurisdictions, New South Wales, they'll have their own planning document. Again, I, I think obviously today's conversation is about um, you know, design, uh, construction of, of residences. But there's a holistic approach to this. We need to consider access. We need to consider water supplies. We need to consider landscaping emergency plans, it's this suite of bushfire protection measures um, that as a whole work um, for, for life safety and for property protection. It's not just, um, uh, not just the, you know, the, the bowel rating or so, the, 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 um, the construction um, without those things. Um, also an interesting point is that the things that feed into this, the, the development of these standards is a review. So after every significant fire, CSIRO, um, I, I've mentioned um, in our correspondence earlier, uh, Justin Leonard does a lot of um, research and follow-up work to see how the standards actually cope. Um, and I know that uh, in the 2017 Kawula fire that we had, there was a review there, and the, the the structures that had been built to code, um, all of them had survived. So we had we had a hundred percent success rate. 
there was uh, you know, 10 structures that had been um, impacted. There's many more that have been impacted and there was property lost. But of uh, the 10 that were built to spec, um, 100% have survived. But again, I'll go back to it. It's not just the construction. It's been a number of other bits. The landscaping, which is the two have to work together in terms of the way that the landscape's managed um, in and around the house. I think in, in uh, Tarthra, the, the success rate was 80%. So there's there's good things that are happening there, but there's you know obviously always um, improvements that can be made. I think that's a really good point that it is this holistic kind of view, and it's why the assessment is actually such a valuable process to see. Because I think that when you, as a homeowner, you get this bell rating and you see it for the first time, and you see okay, it goes through you know twelve point five, twenty nine forty flame zone, and you look at these numbers and these kind of weird acronyms and wonder well, okay, how much extra is this going to cost me? And then you say a whole, generally the easiest information to access is that means you've got to build out of these materials, you've got to have fire shutters, you've got to, you know, that's the most straightforward stuff that you can see online. But then what you can't say is that the impact that some other decisions can have around how you treat your whole property, particularly if you are in one of these regional locations where you do have a bit more land to play with and you can start implementing management strategies and uh, an understanding of your landscape to create that holistic response where you're where you're dealing with that kind of asset protection zone and the, the landscape management generally. Can you just talk, take a moment to talk through sort of that asset protection zone in a bit more detail? And also, you know, is this as simple as somebody going, well, fine, I'll just clear, you know, a hundred metre diameter around my property and fell all my trees and, and fix it like that? You know, how do these kinds of things come into play in terms of solutions, I suppose, to um, these challenges? Yeah, and I'll, I'll pick up that point. I guess uh, that, again, very much is the domain of the bushfire practitioner. The very simple um, uh, structure that's, you know, on a, a nice open grassland setting, very easy for the, you know, uh, or relatively easy for the homeowner to come up with um, a, a bell rating or for council. These more complex um, uh, topographies, vegetation types, settings where, you know, maybe the, the house is a kilometre or two kilometres in on a one-way in, one-way out. Then, then RFS is certainly looking at um, not just a you know bow rating, but extended APZ. So it's a very complex sort of solution to the, to the problem. So I'll just add that point there that um, it would be nice if they were all simple, um, but they are, can quite often be complex. So if the um, the bow rating is reflective of um, you know the, the setback to the, the unmanaged vegetation, the APZ, the asset protection zone, is the landscape, is the garden, is the the setback between the, the building face and that line, that defined line of unmanaged vegetation, um, that that gives us the bow rating. So the two are totally complementary. Uh, they have to work together, um, and and obviously as we we push those back. Um, it's it's not also a, it doesn't necessarily need to be an exercise in clear felling everything around there. Again, we're trying to get balance. In fact, some vegetation, if it's clumped, um, is is really good. It's a good thing. It's a, a radiant heat shield. It uh, catches embers. And obviously, then we get into landscape design of different species, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Anyway, staying to the point, the ape acid protection is this this magical area. Um, that 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 um, that stands between the the, the property, the structure, uh, and the unmanaged vegetation. That could still be grassland, or it could be woodland, or it could be forest. It's this very defined area. 
and it's, it's an, uh, an area of, um, of, again, very specific and ongoing landscape uh, management and maintenance. And that, that's the beauty of it, I think, is with, with the NAPZ, you go, right, I've got 20 metres, I'm doing everything within that 20 metres, I'm going to worry much less about what's happening beyond there, um, and I'm just going to focus on this, this very this specific space. And then the the, the 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 level of construction is going to complement that. Uh, just going back quickly, the um, the asset protection zone is probably the number one. Construction is obviously very important here, but uh, in, in all the research is that the APZs is the primary. The further you can get set, set back, or the more well managed you can have this space, the lot more likelihood um, that you're going to have um, uh, success in, in in structure survival. And often you, you'll see after these big events, you'll see the classic photo of a a house that's withstood, uh, you know, withstood a, a significant fire. It's burnt all around, but then you've got this cleared space. So that's what an asset protection zone is. Um, and I guess you know we we choose to live in the, the bushland setting um, and to clear fill it for for 100 metres. So in in theory, if you did you know um, clear fill it, or if you you managed out to 100 metres and achieved a very low bow rating. That's kind of not the that's not balanced for me. It, it's you know it's to keeping it it's getting you know up the construction and then you know limit the amount of uh, damage that you have. And and I think the other practical part of that is that if you tried then you've established your 100 meter asset protection zone, you've gone overboard. Then you've got to maintain that 100 meters to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. So it's not really a practical solution. It sounds good. It's going to save you some money, but it's it's going to You'll be spending your weekends on a ride-on. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I hope that's answered the question. That's the that's the relationship there. But very important. I think it's it's people get lost in that idea of the oh it's an APZ and but it, it's really really important and it it, it complements it works in unison um, with whatever the construction is. You've you've adopted your bow twenty nine, your bow nineteen. The two have to work together. As soon as your APZ deteriorates then that that bow rating doesn't really mean much anymore so very important and it's it's ongoing yeah no i think it's it, for me it's really demonstrating how essential this the expertise of this type of consultant or practitioner is to you creating a holistic solution for a property that has this kind of overlay on it because what it gives you the opportunity to do is think about the totality of your site and not just think about you know, okay, let's build this house as a, as a fireproof bunker that, um, you know, and just accept the fact that fire is going to rage towards us and that's just what is going to happen. Um, but instead, let's think about how do we manage the whole environment of where we live so that we can build resiliency around and, and our ability to protect at a distance as well um, so that, yeah, we've got, we've got those things working in combination together. And I think to get that expertise as part of your design solution becomes really powerful then in you also then becoming the custodian of that in your property, you know, over time living in it. So you understand then, okay, this is how should we be threatened by fire? We can expect it to perform and this is what we've done to safeguard our home and our land against it and this is what we've done and we know and we can – I mean, it was really fascinating for me when we were um, – when we had fires nearby and you just saw the community rally together, signs going out the front to say, yep, there's a pool here with static water supply, you know, all of these kinds of things, that you see the importance of a community response to protecting a community and I think that when there's this approach to – understanding that asset protection zone and you can imagine a whole string of properties doing that together 
just what a difference that makes to the RFS's ability to fight fire in your region for you to protect your property. You know, I just think that, yeah, it just, yeah, to me, it just, that level of expertise in your design process seems essential to me. So, yeah. yeah. And, and if I can, if I can add to that as well, and that the, the flow on there as well is that if you've got this really well-maintained asset protection zone, then it's inviting the RFS, you know, if, if you don't happen to be there. And obviously we would always advocate that the leave early. That is always the best option. But if you've done these things, then you've, you've really set your, your, your structure, your, your home very well up for, for um, survival. But it also invites the RFS to have a go because if you didn't have these really good asset protection zones, you had veg close up to the, to the structure. They'll do a triage of it and say, we're not going in. It's game over. So uh, by doing that thing, there's a whole bunch of knock-on effects, really positive uh, knock-on effects. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic, Jeff. Now, can you just talk to us? We've got the bow rating, so the bushfire attack level. We've also got the Australian Standard 3959. How do those two things factor into it to each other and talk to each other as part of you creating a solution in a bushfire-prone area? Okay. So the bowel rating is a product of um, AS Strange Standard 3959 um, construction and bushfire uh, buildings and bushfire prone areas. Um, 3959 is uh, is a, a methodology to conduct a site assessment um, first off. So it's broken into two parts. The first part is how you would actually conduct a site assessment. It'll help you classify the vegetations or talk about slope. Um, it'll talk about setback distances and how you measure that. That's the first thing. So it gives you this methodology on how to come up with this the, the bowel the bowel level. Once we've established what the bowel level is, then we have um, the, the bowel rating. Then we have a prescription on how to actually then build a house that's either at bowel 12.5, 19, 29, 45 zone. So the six the six settings there. There's also a bowel low. Um, so two parts: how to how to assess it, and then how do we then construct um, to that to that level. So that's the first point. Uh, and it's very, very um, descriptive. It's it's very uh, clear. There's, there is a bit of detail in there, but if you've come up with your bow 12.5, then you can go to the, the relevant chapter. It will tell you what your expectations are for your glazing, what the roof system needs to be, what materials you can use for for the sard. What about the decking? It's, it's really quite comprehensive. Um, and so that's how it works, the methodology and then the, the, the recipe on how to, to, to put um, you know, a, a structure together that will match or meet that, um, that, uh, that fire intensity. So, so I, just, I hope that explains it. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I think it's hard um, because uh, the Australian standards, of course, are a paid document. So you see this number crop up as a homeowner and it's like, oh, I, I can't. So the, the good news there is that um, uh, Standards Australia are releasing 3959 for free. Yay! Um, yeah, it's very good to, um, uh, just just to have as a, as a reference. So they're, they're all obviously acknowledging that, and it's giving the, the you know the whole community a, a chance to have a look at it. And I'd encourage anyone who's very you know obviously very interested, the homeowner is very interested in the parts. It, it's not that difficult to go through, um, but again, uh, a good bushfire a practitioner will, will will guide you through through that process uh, and material selection as well. So yeah. That's brilliant. Thanks, Jeff. I'll have to find the link to that and pop that in the resources. 
I really hope that you found that first part of my conversation with Jeff really helpful. I've actually found that many homeowners when building or renovating in a bushfire prone area, they're just not aware of how useful the advice of a bushfire consultant can be in shaping your approach, right down to where you might site the actual dwelling, where you might situate it on your block of land, or making decisions about your overall infrastructure, layout, materials, detailing, all sorts of things. So hopefully you can see that including a bushfire consultant in your team and doing it early as well can make a really big difference in having confidence in your strategy and approach overall. Now in the next episode, Jeff's going to be back talking about BAL 40 and BAL flame zone ratings, which are the two highest ratings when it comes to your bushfire attack level. And he's going to help us understand how to manage construction in these areas whilst also managing affordability. We're also going to talk about distances to vegetation, sprinkler systems, bushfire bunkers, managing ember attacks, and whether development should occur at all in bushfire prone areas. So be sure to tune in then for loads more helpful information. Remember to head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash rebuild for all we're sharing in the rebuild and build better series and bookmark it so that you can keep checking back as it grows as an online hub for anyone rebuilding after bushfires or wanting to build better and more resilient homes. And the Australian Standards AS3959 is actually free to download at the moment. You can grab it as a PDF uh, and I'll pop the link for that in the resources as well. I'm not sure how long they're going to be doing that for, so make sure if you want a copy that you grab it soon. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.